Hey everyone, welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast. We are starting this a little differently with a separate recording of me delivering some sad, sad news. Sad clown over here. Wah, wah. This episode is awesome. That's not the sad news. Uh, but the audio is a little funky in the interview part uh, because our lovely guest was recording from uh, beautiful Cancun, Mexico. Uh, and we're here in Santa Cruz, California. And sometimes the interwebs don't work in your favor. So uh, please just bear with us. Please don't judge us. Please love us and continue to listen and give our guests some love because this really is a fantastic episode, very informative, and we love you. Okay, ready? Let's go. I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. And I'm April, sex toy maven, VP of Hot Octopus, and I've dedicated my life to the business of sex. We're two people with a passion for educating and inspiring shame-free conversations about sex and relationships. Welcome Welcome to to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Shameless Sex Podcast. Okay, this episode is with the amazing, the awesome, the wonderful Taylor Sparks. And I think we already said this in this episode, but we recorded with her like a year ago. I don't know if we said it on the air. Okay. We told her. And if we did, then we're double we're double saying. But yeah. we did. We recorded. Was it a year ago or a couple years ago? Maybe two years. It was during the vids. Yeah. The vid days. The COVID. The vid days. The COVID. <laughs> the video days. Uh, and the audio got lost and damaged. Oh. Or lost or Which has only happened, I think, one or two other times. It's when we record, we recorded with Jolene Brighton yeah. back in the day, like oh. early on, like 2018. And the same thing happened. We had, well, it wasn't the same thing because we didn't have an, remember? We yeah, now a, we have a whole system. Like it's a, an external hard yeah. drive. Yeah. And we didn't have one. And we just kind of relied on these things. Or, and, yeah. Yeah. The whole thing, or, or that time, our external hard drive died because I dropped it. Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't going to try <laughs> to blame yourself. you, but it was. Now we, we put everything it. in the cloud and the drive. So, yeah. Um, but anyways, Taylor was lovely enough to and forgiving enough to come back on our show. And she's absolutely awesome. We saw her at Vibe Expo. Yeah. We're like, We're so uh, sorry. I'm like, Amy, we have to talk to her because we never launched her episode. And she, I hope she didn't think anything was wrong with I it. I know. So there you go. So we got her back. And, and so, she wrote a book in the meantime. Yes, I know. Which is so cool. Yeah, she's she wrote a book that she talks about in this episode. And it's called An African-American Guide to Ethical Non-Monogamy, The How, Why, and With Whom to Explore Your Expanding Love Style. And so this episode is about ethical non-monogamy. And while I wanted to say that even if you don't identify as a BIPOC person, you'll get a lot of stuff out of this. And she shares why this information is really important to share for BIPOC people. And actually, we learned so much in this about the experiences, the varying experiences of people of color in terms of sexuality, especially non-monogamy, monogamy, marriage. She talks about the black marriage, which was very interesting and helpful to us to learn about. And because, you know, we only know what we know. And we were going to feature this episode in March. And then we were like, oh, wait, it is Black History Month. And she talks a lot about, as I said, about the history of BIPOC people and in terms of relationships and marriage, as I already said this, but like this is a really important time to feature this. So we bumped it up. Because I almost lost this. my shit in the episode. Like, yeah, you almost, I was like, don't cry. Please because don't cry. <laughs> she went into some historical information that we've 
we've yes, the seen trigger warning. We've yes, the trigger warning for sure because I just get really emotional and angry and sad about the history of not only the United States but what uh people of color have had to endure and go through, especially those that are like related to what she's talking about, yeah. which is like the monogamy and uh-huh. An ethical monogamy and ethical non-monogamy, and, and but long, long-term and short-term partnerships. Yeah, and I don't want to get too far into it because I want everyone to listen to the episode. So, no matter who you are as a human being, this episode is fucking badass. Yeah, and Taylor is awesome, and yeah, I'm so honored that she was on the show and that we got to shed light on this conversation. And the other thing I wanted to say about this is a lot of people have uh, made some comments about us uh, uh, talking about non-monogamy too much. And this has been going on even before I was even a non-monogamous person because we were featuring guests from time to time who talked about non-monogamy. And we do not preach non-monogamy at all. April is not even identifying this. I'm point a as monogamous a, person, yeah. by the way. So yeah. you could tell me. And I might me, be again tomorrow. Right. Who knows? And so <laughs> I'm a monogamous person, but I'm honoring all of the relationship styles yeah. and relationship, uh, well, people's orientations, people's genders. So I'm not even yeah. Switzerland. I'm just saying I'm... I'm an ally for everyone and their process. And well, we understand it's fluid too. So yes, and um, if I was going to be non-monogamous, I would yeah. probably be an ethical. No, I would be yeah. ethically non-monogamous. You and I have both been non-monogamous unethically. <laughs> well, this is true, yeah, and this is why I would before. not. I would not want to go back to that yeah. because it didn't feel good. Yeah, it felt really hard, and yeah. I got really stressed out because I was lying and yeah. and not uh, honoring my partner. Yeah. So if you listen to this and you're like, oh god, here they go talking about non-monogamy again, just know that we're just highlighting something that's very important because it speaks to a lot of people and it's good to get out of your comfort zone and learn things even if you don't want to do them just like you know listening to someone who's talking about you know the BIPOC marriage um, or experience in sexuality and you might not relate to that it still is really important to hear other perspectives outside of your everyday so this covers all yeah it doesn't matter it doesn't matter who you are yeah as a human yeah If you're on planet Earth and you're listening to this, just keep tuning in. Yeah. Keep on listening now. All right, Chip, I have a question for you. Why? Do you want to go to a beautiful place with a bunch of wonderful, lovely women who are open-minded are all there for the same reason? They're in paradise. And they are there to make community, make new best friends, learn about sex, talk about sex, be open about sexuality, leave feeling more alive, connect to their bodies, more sensual, more sexual, and like you have a whole bunch of new best friends. Is it paradise? Yes, it is in paradise. It's in Tulum. Oh, then yes, because Tulum's one of my favorite places on the entire planet, and well, I've been all over going. the fucking world. And we are going. I can't wait to go. To Tulum, Mexico. This is April 24th through 29th, 2024. This is Shameless Sex's second retreat for women or female identified folks. And we are going there for five nights to do all these lovely things. Like we said, workshops, all the fun things. And the last retreat we did in Costa Rica, OMG, people left there so it's charged still up. spinning. It's still like spinning in a good way. Yeah. Meaning people are activated with love and they're supporting each other and that was a beautiful retreat that was in November this is April 24th to 29th go to shamelesssex.com y'all check it out come join us in paradise in Tulum we'd love to see you and also we have a scholarship spot available you can find information at the same place shamelesssex.com you sign up you send up your your information is for someone who is experiencing financial hardship it is at a significantly discounted rate so we hope to spend lovely close time with you in Tulum come play with us only one of those Left. Okay. One thing I want to bring up is that we've been getting amazing 
responses yeah. from our Amazon wish list. And thank you for all of those that have sent us presents. It means so much to us. And it's so exciting. We're trying to make our sound better, our Instagram life better, our video our quality, video quality, and it's sometimes difficult for us to afford all the things. Mm. And it's I expensive. Threw, so we have some. Yes, we received some. We're actually using one of the gifts right now from someone. This is our new sound box. Uh, thank you for the sound box. We had to start over once because we ran out of space. Wrong SD, SD card. Not our, we're getting used. That's to our it. our fault. It's yeah. our fault. Not <laughs> we a new yes. SD card. Yes, uh, we'll put that on our list too. Damn it. No, anyways, <laughs> I already bought it. Uh, uh, but we're like, we need it. If you look at the list, you might see some other things like pairs of sunglasses that we want to use for a photo shoot things like that so but otherwise or lighting to make our lighting oh, yeah, better lighting. our lighting's hard yeah so to go find out more information go to the show notes there's a link there and you can go and send us gifts can and we you love look you. on amazon i was looking the other day can you just find it on amazon i tried I, like i think if you try shameless sex podcast you might you might might come up but i had a hard time so i would I'll just try. go to okay. our show notes okay to find it. got it all right everyone ready for a sex question if legend barks at the squirrel just ignore it and keep going i like Here we it go. my wife and i have not been intimate since the birth of our first child who is now one it's a struggle to even get a hug from her we tried to focus on only her for now but that unraveled and she says she doesn't feel comfortable in her body and she doesn't know how she can be who she was before pregnancy sexually i know i can't do a whole lot to change her perception of herself but i try to make her feel sexy through compliments etc what can i do or suggest she try to make her feel more comfortable in her own body again I think that a lot of people can identify with all sides of this question, whether it is your wife or yourself being frustrated or disconnected. And this is really common. And April and I have not birthed babies, but we have a lot of friends who have. We have a lot of educators who've been on our show that have talked about this, whether it is sex during, before, after pregnancy, raising children and what sex can look like during that. Well, it's not really a phase, but you know, how do you keep your sex life alive after you have children in your world? And yes, I like how you said at the end that you can't make her or kind of in the middle, like, right, you know that you can't do a whole lot to change her perception of herself. You're already trying to do little things like saying nice compliments to her, which is great. Don't stop doing that. And you can't convince her to love herself. We just did that an episode, I think it was last week, right? With Dr. or two weeks ago from this episode, it's coming with Dr. Tara. And she talks about body neutrality as opposed to like body positivity, learn to love your body. Body neutrality is more like, you know, I might not love certain aspects of my body or feel super sexy or whatever that is, but I'm at least grateful that it functions in the way that I want it to, or I can find things about it that I'm really grateful for. Again, you can't convince her like, hey, how about, hey, wifey, how, how about you try body neutrality? today. But, you know, instead, that would be her own journey. And I think sharing as many positive feedback pieces, compliments that you can, but not just about like, hey, you looks baby looks so sexy today, but also things that don't have to do with sex, right? Or her body. It can also just be the way that she is being in the world. She's a great friend. She's a great partner. She is a great dog mom. I'm not sure. And another thing that came to mind for me, and I know April, you have some, some thoughts on this, especially because I know that you've shared on past podcasts, which about being in your body and not wanting to get on top and not feeling super sexy. But something that came to mind for me when I read this was, you know, what if you helped her to 
appreciate all these parts of her body that and then in her mind it wasn't leading to sex right like what if one day you just wanted to give her a foot massage maybe kiss the tops of her feet tell her how beautiful and soft her feet are in your hands and you just love making her feel so good and and seeing her feeling so good and then you just left it at that and then another time you were doing that with her calves and maybe her knees and then maybe her hands and her arms and these other parts and then and you know her neck and her back and then eventually her pussy and her crack you know but like what if it was this like titrating is that the right word but you're building up a way like you're moving from other non-erogenous zones to erogenous zones and reminding her that you're just happy to be with those parts of her body and that they're beautiful or like her stomach right like that might be a big part of her you know especially her lower belly or like if there's any sort of scars or uh what's the word i'm looking for stretch marks these parts that she might not really love like maybe put your hand on there and she's like what are you doing but maybe you you know put your hand on there and she starts to do that just say no I, i love this part of you and it's but it's not tied to sex and then maybe perhaps I don't know that helps her to feel more comfortable in her body with you because she's realizing that you love all parts of her no matter how it's changed yeah I think that's great and I also want to say as great as I think that is (laughs) from my experience with my friends that have had babies it is up to them when they want to go through the uh, sexual pieces of their after baby bodies, after their baby sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to sit here and tell anyone that I think that will work because it may and it may not. And some people just have body changes that they can't sometimes they can't figure out how to get back to that old self that they were pre-baby. They can, but they can't figure it out. And that is up to them. But I think that's and you the can, problem. Like but trying you can do to get all back. of those things. And that's what I'm saying. But they have to want to get to the new point. Yeah. And not to get back. Yeah. But like to get to the point of them wanting to be touched. Them wanting to... Because birth is like a whole traumatic thing for the body and traumatic in a good way. It's a mm-hmm. beautiful thing, but it's a universal explosion in one human, Ooh, right? I like that universal it explosion. It is. That's what I always look at. It's like the big bang, but in one person. Yeah. So it's like your body may or may not ever go back to what it was. And I love what you said about the things that you could do to honor your partner that you had a child with. And I think that that is a start, but I'm just going to say from what I know, sometimes it can take a lot more time than people want to admit. And sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes people are way more sexual after a child and they're way more turned on. It just depends on the person. This is one that we should do, you know, 25 podcasts on in the future when because we're going to be here for a long time because neither of us have had children and we both are women, but we haven't gone through that. I just know because and you have wonderfully close friends that have had babies and they've talked to us. They'll sometimes text us both together be like, dude, what the fuck? I'm pretty sure none of like, so if like, you know, I have 10 friends that had a baby and I have more than that. I'm pretty sure nine out of those people, nine out of 10 did not want to have sex for a long period of time. For sometimes a year, sometimes longer. Their bodies are repairing, but also they're in mom mode, right? Like, so they have the mom hat on and it is a role and it's not a very sexy one. With your hormones changing, sometimes you don't even have the capacity to think about sex. And sometimes my friends are like, I just want him to get the fuck away from me. So I think, but but I think what what I'm going with here is, is not, you're not trying to convince her to fuck you. Right. Right. 
you're trying to help with this long process and you don't know how long that will be. Help her to feel because if it's quite frustrating to be with a partner who's like, I'm hideous. I'm so fat. I'm so ugly. And you're like, I think you're so hot. Yeah. And I get when that partner is going through that process of like their own dislike for them their body and their own insecurities but on the other partner's side it's really hard to be in that place where you're like no 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 I think you're beautiful but you just can't hear that and it's not like but I can't convince you to and, and I someone's like you're lying and you're like no I'm no, serious no. I think you're beautiful like if I were to touch you know for, at least for me right like if I if someone were to touch my a part of my body like let's say like my lower belly and I'm like whoa, whoa, whoa what are you doing which I've I've had those feelings before like why are you touching that it's one thing for them to just be like oh I just I don't know or like no I love this part of you and not like rubbing it vigorously but if even if they're like held a hand there I feel like for me, I might, I would feel a lot. I'd be like, what the fuck? What the fuck? This isn't good. And also, you know, because my thought is like, well, they're, they're, they're seeing all of me and all the parts that are my imperfections that are my own insecurities. Also, though, that could be really healing. But if they were doing that just to drink, get in my pants, now you're going to delay the process of having sex at some point. Like your partner needs to feel valued for who they are. I'm not saying that you're, you're doing that, but who they are outside of sex. And right now they don't feel very sexual in their skin. So how can you help them? them to feel not sexual in their skin? How can you help them to feel more comfortable, more loved, more appreciated outside of it being a sexual experience? And then maybe the sexual experience can follow. I also want to say, it's a theory. <laughs> I think you're, I think you are right. And it takes all of the parties in the relationship yeah. to be on the same level and you won't always be on the same level. And if you had this beautiful human between the two of you, then that is something to celebrate and giving spaciousness for the time that it may take, meaning, hey, maybe self-pleasure is going to be a thing for a little while between each of us. Maybe we won't be as sexual as we were. Maybe I still am as, you know, if I were the dude in the partnership or something, and I don't want to say that all partnerships are dude and, you know, vulva owners, but I'm saying in this particular situation, maybe I'm a dude and I'm like, I'm just going to self-pleasure because I know my partner right now doesn't want to, but I'll, I'll kiss the feet the and I'll do the, I'll do the things that you were saying. The, and the thing that could happen with that though is, and I've worked with couples where this is the case where, okay, I'm going to just do this. And a year goes by and two years go by well, and they get the really stuck. To in have that. a check-in period, check -in which period. is what I was going to get to, which is like, have a check-in period, set some time aside to be like, Hey, I'm going to give you this space. Like I want to, but this is important to me. Yeah. And I want to give like, Okay, three months. Can we talk in even less than that? Like yeah. three months is a long fucking time. And it's just and a talk doesn't mean you have to do anything. It's just where are we no, are now. Let's talk like have a self like let's have a sex life check-in or yeah. an intimacy life check-in, whatever you want to call it. Communicating with the person that you're in a partnership with is the most important thing. And sometimes it's hard because everyone's on different paths or different frequencies or different timing with mm -hmm. work and with if your partner's at home or you're at home with the kid and your partner's at work again or your partner's at home with the child and you're at work you're going to be on different a lot of different frequencies so you have to have this communication check-in and this is a long-winded way of saying we have a book that you can also buy that talks about how to do this in a way that is super helpful and that could be helpful for anyone even if you don't have children mm -hmm. or if you have multiple children or if you're in a relationship that you've been in for a long time or you're in a new relationship you can get shameless sex and we're there to help 
anyone that has a relationship discrepancies and things that they want to work on. So yeah, go, yeah, go scope out shameless sex and get it on our website, go to shamelessex.com. And, and we talk about, like April said, a lot, like changes in your body and that can happen also with like age. If we all get older, it's going to happen. So it's how do we uh, not be, don't try to be what we used to be, you know, this, the sexy, slutty, whatever version, but who am I that person now? And that could be, who knows, even sexier or sluttier. And if you, when you start to bring sex back into your world baby steps right not not baby like your child but like little steps you don't have to go right into the gangbang or like the, to what it used to be maybe it was a gang wearing sexy lingerie or no, something it could just be like okay today we're just gonna do like a naked cuddle you know like and and tomorrow could be something different and not maybe having we're goals. gonna do like just a eye gazing and Ooh, we love eye gazing e- <laughs> each other how much we love each other it doesn't have to be anything naked it can just be talking mm. lighting a candle and talking about how grateful you are for the experience that you just had of having a child yeah so there you go. Don't forget to massage the feet, the shoulders. Give April a head scratch and a hug and tell her she's what? the best. Sometimes massages and things. I don't love massage. So I'm like, hey, give her a slap just give me ass. words of affirmation. Yeah, and tell her she's the best good girl you've ever there met. There you go. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> dude, my partner's been doing that a lot. I'm like, oh man. It's working. <laughs> okay, let's do a bio. Yes. <laughs> You're the best good girl. Oh, thanks. Uh, Taylor Sparks is an author, erotic educator, and sex goddess, and a dedicated coach specializing in ethical non monogamy and intimate relationships. With a fervent commitment to empowering individuals, Taylor has an extensive knowledge as a certified expert in holistic aromatherapy and human behavior and has launched the largest BIPOC-owned online organic intimacy shop, OrganicLovin.com. All right, everyone, it is interview time, and we are here today with Taylor Sparks. Okay, here's the thing. Taylor's actually a repeat guest, but we recorded an episode with Taylor a couple years ago, and then it got damaged. We had some malfunctions before we had a fabulous editor in, in our uh, way of doing things now. We never told her because we were a bit embarrassed. And then we're like, uh, and then I saw her just at the Vibe Expo, and I was like, hey, I have to talk to you. Lost it. I'm like, it wasn't you, it was us. It's not you, it's us. And so we're like, can we get you back in the show? So she gave us another shot. So she's here. And it's it's also perfect timing. Taylor's always been doing phenomenal things in the human sexuality world. But Taylor also wrote a book that we are going to discuss. And so we're so excited to learn more about Taylor's newest endeavors. Uh, we just heard that there's a dry spell in the sex world in Cancun because Taylor lives in Cancun. So we'll get there. But first and foremost, so our listeners already heard a little bit about you in the intro in the bio, but can you please tell us and our listeners a little bit more about how you got to where you are today in the field of sexuality? And then we'll talk about the dry spell in Cancun. <laughs> God, the dry spell. It, it, it's almost legendary now. <laughs> well, I, uh, my background is I'm certified in both human behavior and uh, holistic aromatherapy. I had a company prior to my organic loving company. As a uh, holistic aromatherapist, I had developed a line of 16 head-to-toe head care products for elite endurance athletes. So we sponsored um, you know, marathons and triathletes and 16, uh, I mean, uh, five different Olympic athletes in summer and winter. And my husband and I were about 12 years into our marriage and we opened our marriage. We did open marriage. We kind of backed into the swinging thing, started going to events at places like Edo and Desire. Then we decided to do our own thing and produce our own events. And as we produced our own events, we met Pepe and Claudia Guerre, who owned Luxury Lifestyle Vacation Travel. They are an adult-only luxury lifestyle, so we started working with them. And after a year or so, they hired me to do a private label line of 
organic body washes and massage oils for their company, which I did. But when we traveled to different cruises and events with them, I realized that some of the uh, vendors were selling really just chemical-based, not really good, well-made toys, sex toys and, and lube and things. So when we launched their product, uh, we realized we had no place to sell it because they had a travel agency and I had a skincare for athletes company. So with a little bit of love, support, money from them, I launched Organic Love and starting with their four products. And now <laughs> we have, um, I'm no longer a manufacturer or reseller now. So now I sell over 1,400 different products representing over 250 brands. And we, we sell worldwide. We sold to 48 countries oh, last wow. year. Nice. We ship worldwide. So we ship worldwide. So I started doing that and traveling to the different events, but I realized that the best way to talk to adults is really through humor. So prior to my first company, I used to do corporate training for almost 10 years in the area of communication, negotiations, conflict resolution, customer service. And so I started developing seminars based on and around the products. So the first seminar, which is still my most popular, How to Make Good Pussy Better, mm -hmm. which is one based on sexual health and wellness and explaining the benefits of using organic intimate body products for both men and women. Some of the sex toys are actually sexual health and wellness based, like our favorite toy, the Pulse by Hot Octopus. Oh, thank right? you, Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it was started as a wellness product before it turned into a toy. So educating people on that. So now I do... Now I have several seminars, not only on relationships, but as well as on um, sexual health and wellness, spanking, and 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 the sort. So that's been I've been in the ethical non-monogamous community like 16 years. We started as open, back into the swinging, and then I kind of transitioned into polyamory and kink. And he was like, "We're doing what? Now? What are we doing now?" He's still like, "No, it's gonna be good. I'm gonna have a boyfriend." I'm going to have a dom. No, wait, I am a dom. Yeah, I'm a dom. Yeah, I'm a dom. And I'm a unicorn I, now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so I've just been, well, no, I'm, I know I'm not a unicorn because I was married. You got to be single and bisexual. <laughs> okay, there and you I go. And I realized I wasn't bisexual because I realized that eating pussy was kind of like licking a dolphin. And I don't think I'm So, so I haven't tried licking pussy, but as like someone. Like the blowhole of the dolphin or something? Just no, like April identifies as dolphin. She has dolphin skin, by the way, which is funny because we've never hooked up. But everyone I, thinks that I we know, have. I know. People only tell me that I do, but I, yeah, but I don't know. But I'm a non-monogamous, very straight person who is, pay, like, I identify as painfully straight. So I'm like, it'd be so cool if I was into the pussy, but I'm really not that you into know, it. It would be so much fun. And. I've tried enough time to realize that, yeah, no, this is not it for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, different you know? strokes for different folks, literally. So that's kind of how I ended up um, 16 years into this community and traveling. I think and haven't gone back up there since 2019 was in my biggest year I did. I presented at 11 different events, most outside of the country. So I present. My seminars, not only in the U.S., Canada, Mexico, Jamaica, Europe, South America. I've been just everywhere having mm -hmm. fun. Traveling the world, talking about pussy. The thing about you, I've known you for quite a while from my Fun Factory days, and you're always such a joyous, 
kind of light everywhere. The room that you step into, the space, whenever I speak with you face to face or even exchanges. I've been on your show, your podcast, The Sisters of Sexuality. That was like a long time ago. And I that know, was... You need to come back because oh, we need to talk about your book. Oh, I love it. And I was so excited to hear that you wrote this book because you have been in the ethical non-monogamy route for a long time yeah. before people even referred to it, I think is ENM or CNM, right? The consensual yeah. non-monogamy. I was saying yeah. this to very smart humans just the other day and they both, two dudes, they both looked at me like, what are you talking about? I was like, yes, I'm <laughs> talking about CNM. They're like, what the fuck are you talking like, about? I was like, oh, consensual non-monogamy, also known as ethical non-monogamy. It's like, like CBT no and it was just cognitive behavioral therapy, yeah. but they think it's cock and ball torture. <laughs> love that. I'm like, only we would all know that <laughs> or kinky people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cognitive behavioral therapy <laughs> is really I good know. for like sleep issues and other therapeutic practices. Uh, it's called CBT. Every time I hear of it, every, yeah, I'm less like, sounds like a dungeon. Sounds fun. I want to go to that place. <laughs> Have you ever taken a CBT class, the cock and ball torture class? I've seen oh. only live demos from like Jaylene Bennis and Eve yeah. Minax and yeah. here in, in the Bay Area. But no, I've not taken a class, like a whole oh, class. I, I took a class, a workshop at a BDSM weekend up in New Hampshire. Oh, New Hampshire's so white. It was. And there was a single guy running around. He's like, I'm taking that class. How, oh, can I be your, can I be your, like, bottom? I'm like, bring that dick on. Let's do this. Let me torture that dick. Uh, <laughs> oh, I did. I mean, I only <laughs> saw that from the sexual health lines in my sex ed certification during this SAR, which I had to watch some cock and ball torture videos. And I was like, I don't have testicles, but holy shit, that looks really hard for me like oh and and I know there's no shame I was just like oh it was it was it was like I felt like bad what were they doing them. to the balls what were they doing um they were kicking them <gasps> like they were just too they were too hot like very fucking hot like model looking ladies and he was yeah. in a full leather mask and, and they were just consensual he's wanted this yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I mean yeah. I assume they showed us the video I didn't get any of the backlog there were a bunch of these different <laughs> things and they just went up and just like kicked him in the balls as hard as they could time and time and time and time again and I was like what all right oh I just don't like seeing people do. in pain because that's just uh, my journey right but I appreciate that people but you like got that to, you got to kick some balls no even, well for me I thought this was even better because I was up close and personal I took two chapsticks and you put the balls between the chapsticks and then you put little rubber bands on the ends of the two chapsticks and then you twist. Oh! <laughs> and then you let go. Like you noodles. <laughs> and then you oh. could just like... Like a spinner? Oh my God. Uh -huh. What was yeah. the reaction when you did that? He was in pain and that made me so happy. Because <laughs> he, but he was consenting. The yeah. don't get stuck on the legs? No, you make him spread his damn Spread your legs. Oh, okay. you, pull, oh, you, pull, okay. you pull him up. You got to pull him up away oh, okay. from your legs. Okay, got it. I'm just getting a visual. Got it. I like that. Ooh. Okay. It's like a sake bomb, but way different. <laughs> different. <laughs> um, different kind okay. of high. Okay. So, okay. I love. I, I, I just, I love talking to you, Taylor. Okay. So and thank, thank you, though, for your kind words. I, I really appreciate that, honey. <laughs> I mean, you're just a gorgeous, amazing human. And uh, I'm oh, so happy you. that you're on the show and that other, other people actually get to enjoy and hear you on the show. So let's talk about this journey. So this journey with ethical non-monogamy, how do you personally define ethical non-monogamy and what really steered you in this direction? You know, well, defining it, of course, ethical is always is the operative word. You know, are you being not, you know, 
You're not just communicating honestly about the things you want, need, and desire, but are you authentic about your needs, wants, and desires when you communicate? But ethical is really the operative word to be able to say, I want to be free. I consider ethical non-monogamy a type of freedom, but ethically free because everyone needs to do what's best for themselves with regard to their relationship. We started the journey. <laughs> we went to hedonism with a non-swinger group. We, I, hadn't, I didn't know about swingers. I just knew we had not been away on vacation together in seven years without the children. And I'm like, we're going. I had heard about it. I couldn't afford it in the past. We were in the money, so to speak, if you will. And I'm like, let's go. He did not want to go. I told him I was going to leave his ass right there in Fuquay Arena, North Carolina with them children because I was going with or without him. <laughs> so we went and the first people we meet, of course, are swingers. And I'm like, how could you do that? Wait, why are you doing it? I was like, who are you doing it with? Where are you doing it? All of this was and we were asking all these questions where I was, I was as nosy as hell. And then we decided that swinging was not something that we wanted to do. But when we were back home, you know, we talked about it. And then I decided to look up something about open relationships, which were different than swinging relationships. And I found an article written from the husband's perspective. And his wife had a higher libido than his. And so I gave, I gave it to my husband. I'm like, I don't, you should look this, read this, and let's discuss it. So he did. And then he was like, so what are you saying? Because <laughs> he was afraid I was trying to trap him in some kind of way. I'm like, I think we should open our relationship. And we decided to do everything separately and not together. We did everything because we were both traveling for work. You know, I was doing the corporate training then and he was in sales. And so we made our list of boundaries, which I think we had uh, 172 boundaries on our list. 172? <laughs> that's gr- really? That's, I mean, that's no, awesome. No, I'm just, it, no. But like I'm a big just, list, a big list. We couldn't even have sex with anybody in the whole state of North Carolina. Oh! I mean, like the whole state was off. Like, like nobody in the state of North Carolina, no friends, no family members, like no family members, like in-laws, no hotel staff. I mean, the list was so long, you know, no spending the night, no emotionally getting involved. By the end of it all, I think the only thing on the list was like no animals and no children. I mean, it was... <laughs> you were full on. You're like, well, we tried all those things and those don't really apply anymore. So. <laughs> it does, well, it doesn't matter at the end of the day because you people set up boundaries mostly to either A, control their partner or B, to protect the relationship. And what you really end up discovering is that you don't need to protect your relationship because no one can steal someone that doesn't want to go. Mm. And you cannot make someone say that is ready to leave. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely nothing you can do. So, and then controlling your partner, it doesn't work out well for the partner or yourself because you wouldn't, I don't want to fleece the grown ass adult. These are our boundaries. If we need to change them, we can discuss that. But to have to control your partner, it just, it just not only does it uh, make you more insecure, because you feel the need to control them. And if you don't think your partner has control, then maybe you should not be non-monogamous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's <laughs> so not, you, not for everyone. I mean, this, not, not, just like monogamy yeah. is not for everyone. Like, there's not one way to be, being in relationships isn't for everyone. Some people like to be single people. And so, like, there's not one way to do your relationship style. 
Yes. And that's the thing that I think sometimes being raised in the, the world of monogamy, especially in the United States, um, that we're so hung up on what we're supposed to do mm-hmm. and what, the, what, what, we, what our mama said and what the pastor said and what the teacher said. Instead of saying, but what is your partner say? Because literally, it's between you and your partner. What does your partner say? What do you two really, really want? What do you three want? What do you four want? Mm-hmm. And But people have a hard time really communicating what they want because mostly of fear, judgment, and control. Mm-hmm. And lack of skill as well. A lack of practice and skill, for sure. Okay, I have a question. Lack of time to have all those conversations is what I'm thinking. That's you, but if you can scroll on Facebook and Instagram, you probably I have don't time do to talk. either of those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she what? So. yeah, she doesn't have that kind of time, but a lot. Of, I think a lot of people look at it as like, oh, it sounds like you know, so much work to have more conversations uh, in regards to non-monogamy. And yeah, there's more conversations, but just like we know with anything, especially with sex, the more we practice something, the easier the skill becomes or gets, and then it's less work. It's just like a natural conversation at that point. Like, oh, okay, so like you go on a date tonight, we know what's on the table, what's off the table, how are you feeling, how am I feeling? Time for a quick break so we can tell you about our carefully chosen sponsors. Please stay tuned and buy their products because we only tell you about what we love and what we truly believe in, and it helps keep this podcast free to you. Listen up, podcast fam. That's right. We have something to talk to you about because we truly love Factor. It fuels your body. (laughs) Ah, yeah. Factor has the best two-minute meals that I've ever had. It's restaurant quality. It's so yummy. I've actually told my brother about it. I've told, you know, who I've told. She just came in here today and talked about it. She's like, I love Factor. I'm like, yeah, they're our sponsor now. She's like, no way. So get Factor right now. They're ready-to-go meals. They're super easy. How expensive is food right now? It's so expensive. Don't even get me started. The cost of food is so crazy. And if you want to help your pocket... Go get Factor. It's less expensive than takeout. We've done the math. Plus, you get food if you're keto or if you are, let's say, vegan or if you're calorie smart. They have everything for you. There's 35 different options a week, y'all. I've told Amy about it. She loves it, too. Mm-hmm. I also love there's no prep, no mess, and that when you get it, it's ready to go. And who doesn't need that? I'm busy as balls, y'all. You know, those balls, they're really busy. You live with a bunch of teenagers. Uh, that's well, true, too. too. <laughs> but they always have their friends over. Oh, yeah. We're at the party spot at the end of the day. So Factor is my new best friend. And if you find yourself busy, you want to eat high quality food, and you want to save a couple dollars, go try Factor now. So y'all go get your Factor meals on right now at factormeals.com slash chip and dip 50 and use code chipndip five zero to get 50% off right now. That's code chip and dip 50 at factormeals.com slash chip and dip 50 to get 50% off. Yum, yum. I just got into a conversation, even though I'm not in an ENM partnership, uh, with someone the other day that's single, and I was talking about ENM and advocating for it, and she just was like, "I don't understand it, and it's not natural, and humans are monogamous." I was like, "Biologically, they're not," and she's like, "I don't think so." And so it was an Sex argument. Dawn. Sex and, dawn. And she was like, "I've read that book, and I think it's like there's a lot of junk science." And I was like, "Oh damn!" I was like, "Well, why don't you which, look at Esther Perel's which work?" Which book did she read? Sex at Dawn. Sex at Dawn by Chris Ryan. Oh. 
and then someone yep. else. Uh, it's his ex-wife Casilda. Yeah. And, and anyway, but it was like a long and she's a very intellectually really bright woman. And um, I saw where she was coming from. But I'm also like, that's the patriarchy. Yo, that's the patriarchy telling you, you have to fit into a box and your man yeah. isn't going to look around or want to like hook up or you're not going to want to after, after you're after you're fucking married. No, I'm, I'm, do- I'm done talking to her about it. because Well, if you see her again, tell uh, her just to go to Google and put in the history of marriage. Oh, I will. Because yeah. if you look at if you look up the history of marriage, you will see that not only is marriage a social a social construct, but marriage the way we know it today has only been this way in the most recent 150, maybe 200 years. Marriage was your mother had a beautiful daughter, 100 cows and 200 your parents had beautiful daughter, 100 cows and 200 acres of land. The neighbor had this great looking son. 300 acres of land and 300 sheep. And when the two of you, they put the two of you together, those two families not only had maybe more control and power in the community, but your, your, the purpose of that marriage was to work that land, grow those farm animals to more because that was how you made your money. And your marriage was not the center of your world. Your partner was not this, that your partner wasn't even your passion. If you were lucky, you married somebody kind and respectful. If you were more lucky, love came, but love had nothing to do with it, which yeah. is why most marriages were arranged because as we know, love makes you stupid. So they were <laughs> like, no, 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 we're not doing the love shit because you're going to be an idiot and you're going to fuck everything up. You know, ma- marrying a stable boy who can't, doesn't have a pot to piss in. How are you going to raise these children? He do- He owns nothing. Mm-hmm. So, and even though the marriages that were non-monogamous, that were religious based, you couldn't even marry more than have more than one spouse if you didn't have the money to take care of that spouse. Mm-hmm. You still had to break something. Yeah. It was a business arrangement. And, you know, your passion might have been might have been the stable boy. And your people were like, fine, fuck the stable boy. Nobody cares. But you people were not forced to marry their the first boy. cousins or their like siblings because they needed to pass on the. The royalty factor, the genetics, or uh, whatever the fuck they called it yes. back then. I mean, that's yeah, like yes. Cleopatra had to marry her uh, eldest right. brother. And like there was like that was just how it fucking yeah. worked at some yeah, places like, in the world. Things started to change as Christianity took hold. Mm-hmm. And the simple fact that if you were a man of means, you there was only one way to guarantee the lineage by by making sure that that woman only had sex with you. You can fuck mm-hmm. everybody you wanted, but you knew that you had to pass down your land and animals and pop, you know, and property. He needed to be a virgin and not fucking nobody else. Now, we know there was a chance she did fuck the single boy, but if she was <laughs> smart enough to figure out when her period came, and he was or, hot, or come on, he was hot. Girl. Sometimes <laughs> a stable girl, you know, hey, can't get pregnant that way, though, can't get pregnant, right. <laughs> can't, get, can't get pregnant, or only have anal with the stable boy, but that was. Nobody cared about your passion was the stable boy. You did your duty as a husband and a wife to the marriage. And mm-hmm. that was it. But they did have more than one wife. They had concubines. They had mistresses. They, you know, so that has been more in play than the most recent monogamous structure that was born not only through patriarchy, but through Christianity. But it's not even a matter of monogamy or non-monogamy being natural. The best part about being at the top of the food chain is that if you're one who believes in a higher power, we're at the top of the food chain. That means we have choice. 
Mm-hmm. We can mm-hmm. choose who to love, who not to love, where to live, where to work, where not to work, uh, where our passion is or is not going to be. We're not working solely on instinct like like the wildebeest mm-hmm. who every six months they travel 100 miles to have sex. And if you don't get no pussy in 100 <laughs> miles on that on that time frame, you got to wait for the next trek. <laughs> of course, you got to make it back to where you started across the fucking river with all the crocodiles. You may not get it. Or the fucking penguins. Not as penguins free will. Too, right? Yeah. They look, it looks miserable. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so glad I'm not a penguin. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, thank so God I'm not so- a penguin. I know. <laughs> so wait, I have a question. Because I think well, the albatross, next- sorry. Okay, done with done with National Geographic. But the albatross, oh, wow. I mean, the, okay, all the, I, so I feel very blessed to be human at this time, like in 2024. I live in Santa Cruz. And so I feel very lucky. And I know a lot of yeah. people at this time in 2024 also have a very different experience all over the globe. So, but I'm bringing it up to the United States right now. Because um, ENM has been all the rage. It was either on the New York Post or the New York Times on the cover. Uh, I think the Post and, or New Yorker, sorry. And even The View talked about it. Did you see the clip? I did not. Okay. I'm, da- I'm down here in Mexico. Okay. So I, so I only watch on YouTube. American TV. We'll send it to I, you. We'll I only watch it. on yeah, YouTube. Yeah. I didn't actually watch it live, but I watched it because I heard mixed reviews. Some people were like, oh my God, they were painting Namanagan to be like a shit show. And then some people were like, oh, well, Whoopi Goldberg seemed pretty supportive. But in the beginning, so that I'll, I'll reenact it a little bit, not like, reenacted just like the words so Whoopi Goldberg's announcing she's like okay so ethical non-monogamy she was like this ethical uh, makes this like weird shame face like what the fuck does that even mean how could it be ethical and then the other three to four women are all sharing their feedback about it and it's all very negative one's like why you know why would you need that I don't even have time to fuck my husband uh, or, or no one person was saying actually Honestly, that could be kind of nice because sometimes I don't want to, they don't say fuck, but like I would like a break yeah. so someone else could take care of this, but I just don't want to know about it. Someone else was like, right. you know, I already don't even have a sex drive. So why would I even want that in my life? It was all just very, They're very like, shameful. Very shameful. Yeah. Yeah. And then oh, we'll be at the you end. You don't have a sex drive. Your husband shouldn't have one either, right? But, <laughs> yeah. but we'll be at the end was like, was pro. Uh, and, and she, that, I thought said, it was cool. What I she was said like, at the yeah. end, because they were like, well, my friends, all these other women, my friends, well, my friends. And she's like, because you're just like y'all need to get new friends or How hang out with other with people. That? What's that? The How view. Go with the, oh, like two ago. weeks. It was two recently. Weeks. Two weeks yeah. ago. I yeah. sent her my book. You know. You did. Oh well, she might read it. I mean, she was. So, yeah, know, at the end, she I was sent it supportive. a few months ago. I wonder if that's what kicked off the conversation. But she's like, we don't need to bring her around. We'll just talk about it. Yeah, because she so they're all like, well, my community, my community, she's like you this happens all over. It's not just like little bubbles where people are non-monogamous. It's in all the communities. And you all need to branch out to new friends. She got my book. (laughs) Hopefully. I sent her my book. I'm telling you. We're giving you credit. This this is what kicked off that conversation. (laughs) I just wasn't big enough to be brought on the show to talk about. (laughs) Well, Whoopi, we would like to have credit over here for Taylor Sparks because (laughs) that's true. It's true. I'm yeah. taking it. You I'm need like a credit. you need a cult following like Taylor Swift, like the Swifties. You need the Sparksies. <laughs> yeah, the Sparksies. I'm a Sparksy. I'm a Sparksy. I'm on the Sparksy train. Okay, so that yeah. So okay, so you d- didn't know about this. We'll send, it, we'll send it to you. Later. We'll send it to you. It's about seven minutes long, and and someone sent it to us. But yeah. So let's talk about your book, though. So you wrote a new book. It's an African American guide to ethical non-monogamy. The how, why, and where. 
with and where, how, why, and with whom, not where, to explore. I just wanted to add a where in there. Um, you're expanding love style. It could be where too, right? Hey, where? maybe, yeah, maybe she's like in I Cancun. I put some resources in there for the where. I did. Oh, perfect. In the back, there's a resource section in the back about where you could do these things. Oh, perfect. Because <laughs> that's actually a big question we get. Like, how do I find the people where? Okay, but first off, I, I want to ask you, what are you seeing in the differences between cultural approaches and experiences ENM? Because this is an African-American guide to ethical non-monogamy. Yeah. So what are you seeing from your perspective? So having not only just experienced uh, ethical non-monogamy in the U.S., as I mentioned, I travel all over the world, so meeting people from Europe and South America, yada, yada, yada. And I have discovered that for African-Americans in particular, because of our history with, through slavery and that whole epigenetic trauma that has passed through, our approach to relationships as a whole is totally different than white Americans, than European Americans, than, than Latinos. And they don't really notice that our approach is different because they don't really have to, so, so to speak. So when I'm at the resorts, and I'm just going to use swinging as, as an example, we could you could be in the middle of a pool party where people are having sex and open sex, even if it's just blowjob. I find that African-Americans will start a little something-something and then they will take it to they will take it to privacy. Very rarely do they stay amongst the crowd and have sex, even though everybody else is having sex openly. It's just an, and part of it is because of that being around white folks and doing that kind of thing is kind of stuck back here and not wanting to be exposed, not wanting to have the sexual stereotypes that are put upon us. Mm. Uh, we're the only race that has sex sexual stereotypes that started in slavery and it still exists to this day. So, and we don't even sometimes realize we're doing it. We just kind of get this ick feeling and it's like, yeah, we need to, let's take this to something, someplace more private. And even if it's an interracial couple, I sometimes find that if it's a black guy with the white woman, he may be out for a while and then he'll also go to take it, you know, the more private is that everybody know, but I find it more often than not. Mm-hmm. And um, there, there's a there's a group of brothers called the Goodfellas. They are a group of men who do hot hot wifing events, and they do it so they so interracial hot wifing events where the husband brings the woman to have sex with men. But these men are all black for the Goodfellas. They expanded over to Europe, and they even have. Black men from Europe joined their group during this whole weekend takeover with the spicy mac. They realized that during the pool party, which is, I don't know if you've ever been to Cap Dodge in the south of France. Mm-mm. No, oh, but I want to. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the most debaucherous shit you've ever seen. It's, but you're going to love it. That those none of those guys could ever actually had sex like outside, like with the sun on their back. Oh, they were, like, like, they were all like, let's go to the room. And the, yeah. the women were like, why? We're fucking here in the bed. Like, they were like, you know, let's, we need to take, you know, that's enough now. We need to take it to the room. And it was such a cultural shock for the guys to actually just be having sex like that in public, open with the thunder on their back, you know? And so, and this was a few years, like 2019, 2018. I mean, they've gotten used to it now, but when it when they first did it, mm-hmm. they were shocked. So, I mean, there is a bit of a change. That's so in, insane that what gets 
ingrained in us because of lineal trauma, right? The the trauma that that it makes sense, right? That trauma that has existed for sent like for a long fucking time. Yeah. And do you think that that's going to change? Do you think that we can change that with more because of like your book, for instance, if folks read this and are resonating with this message because it resonates with me because I'm like, fuck that. That's not fair. Like if they want to do it outside, people should, even though if they feel shame because of the, they don't even or know judgment. it's not theirs yeah. or judgment. They're like, wait, I didn't even, this isn't even mine. This you is don't from even my know. ancestors. And right. right? So I'm just, so I'm, yeah. It can change because so epigenetics, right? So you have your DNA, right? Your DNA doesn't, structure does not change. But epigenetics is what is, it shows, what's the best way to say it, how the genes are expressed, right? So easy way to say is like when you were developing in your mom's womb and at some point as the cells all decided to develop, and they were like, okay, what color are her eyes going to be? Are they going to be brown or are they going to be blue? And the genes were like, the DNA expressed the eye color a certain way, right? So epigenetically, you have the environment and then you have your DNA and it just talks about how those genes are expressed. So it could be the same thing with, you know, you could have heart disease or cancer in the family. And they've done this, and they've done this scientific test even on twins, identical twins. How come identical twins have the same genes? Why is it that one got cancer and the other one did not? Because one lived in this part of the world where environmentally, she, you know, one smoked, she, you know, she ate a lot of pork, she, you know, she didn't exercise, all of these things that showed that it turned on that cancer gene in her and not in, let's say, her sister or you know, her sister. It was going to be an identical gene, it would have to be the same, the same um, gender. So, but because it's epigenetic and because it only, it only expresses how it turns on and off, you can reverse that, you can turn it off. So any... Not only is not just trauma that's passed down, it's also good things that are passed through epigenetically. It's not just trauma. So if you come from a family that's upbeat and happy and always looking and always optimistic, and that too is also passed along. So it's not just trauma mm -hmm. that's passed along. Part of my research was done um, was from Professor Diane Stewart's book called Black Women, Black Love, America's War on Black Marriage. And she's done an extensive amount of research from pre-slavery days up through, even up through the Obama era, and what has happened to the Black marriage because of the racism in the United States. So it, it was just fascinating. So I used some of her research with permission in my book as to how these cultural stereotypes have affected our relationships and our sex. <laughs> what is her, just so curious about this, what is, is her research stating has happened in the Black marriage? What, oh my God. Is, well, like I said, it's, it's a lot. But starting from when African-Americans or Africans were brought to America, most of the age group were people like girls, like 13 to like maybe in their 20s, same thing with boys. Most girls were married by the time they were 13, 14, 15. Some of them might have even had their first child, but they brought them over here young in their childbearing years. The African families were very strongly bound. So to rip somebody from their home, then bring them here and then beat them, torture them, if you will, and then force them into having children. So that was traumatic. They were raped on the way. They were raped when they got here. They were forced to marry. We were not allowed to marry, right? But they were forced to partner and birth children with some man that was just selected from them. So she talked about how that 
not only went on for 400 years. So one of the examples, I did you ever see um, 12 Years of Slave? Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, yes. So I use the example of Lupita Nyong'o's character, right? Who the white master, you know, she picked more cotton than anybody else. You could see that he loved her, but he was so distraught to the fact that he loved her that he just brutalized and raped her and beat her because by law he should not love her because by law she was an animal and not a woman, mm-hmm. right? And then the other character, the woman who was married to her white master, who had children, she went over and had tea with him. Remember, she went to get soap from him. So think about the, the they both were slaves or enslaved. They both were slaves. How would Lupita Nyong'o tell her children if she had bore children from this white man, how he, he would need to survive slavery? Mm. What would she pass down to them, not only epigenetically, right, but by mouth, what you have to do to survive this, to be an adult, to live? Whereas the woman who was married to her white master, who could come and go as she pleased with the note, who got to, didn't have to work, she had slaves that worked for her. What is she telling her children mm-hmm. about her environment and how, and how, how to live? So those things, so she took it from the days of slavery until after slavery, when all these slaves were rushing to, after, after civil war, to rushing to become legalized and to, and to legalize their marriage. Now, if you were a slave and you were made to partner with this guy, you had two or three children from him, and then they farmed your man out because they could, they could send him to another plantation to work for two or three years. That master might have said, well, now that you're here, boy, you're going to give me some babies and you're going to marry, you know, Becky over here and you're going to have some children with her. And then they shame yeah. the biracial babies again and again throughout time, which well, is was another were, thing that I can't I can't even it's fucking It's not bear. so much they were shamed, it's that they were treated better because the master knew those were his children. Mm-hmm. So he treated them better, but they were still slaves. They couldn't leave. They were still slaves. Mm-hmm. So slavery is slavery, whether you're in the kitchen or whether you're in the damn field, you're still a damn slave. Yeah. So they were treated a little better because he knew those were his offspring. Mm-hmm. But at the end of slavery, now you have two women and two sets of children. But the Freedmen's Bureau were in charge of legalizing all these slaves. The Freedmen's Bureau decided, the agent decided who you would marry. You got two children with this one, and you got four with this one. You're going to marry the one that you have more children with. So now these other, this other woman was just left to her own accord. As a woman, she couldn't write a contract. She couldn't own land. She couldn't have a job. Mm-hmm. So she, most of them ended up back in the plantation working somewhat as sharecroppers. And back in the same situation, even though they well, were free. And as a woman, but also as a woman of color. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like, that's yeah. just. Yeah. As a woman, yeah, a woman, woman of color, she, she could, even though she was free, she couldn't do any of that. Yeah. So, but as a woman couldn't own property and jobs back then. So now, so she, her book took it from there all the way through post Civil War, mm-hmm. all the way through the welfare system in the 70s, and how mm-hmm. that affected the Black marriage, mm-hmm. you know, up through the, the Jim Crow era before that. And she used actual slave narratives. She used the actual records from the um, IRS and all of this to compound, you know, how that had an effect on our relationship as Black men and women. Mm -hmm. So we were already ethically non-monogamous because in parts of Africa, you could have more than one wife. In parts of Africa, you could have more than one husband. And to this day, that still exists, polyandry. Mm-hmm. One wife, one in parts of Nigeria, you can have more than one husband. 
in India and China, you can have more than one husband. So, and that still exists to this to this day. You tell your friend that that's still happening. And, yeah. and there's, there, I forgot what it is. I think when, I remember Wednesday Martin talking about this in, in her book, and it was either in I can't South remember America. It's in South America. Mm-hmm. And there's a, uh, a South American tribe that believes that your baby needs to be made of five different men's sperm. So you have mm-hmm. you're supposed to have sex with five different men because right. one of the sperms makes up not the one sperm, one of the person's sperms makes the head, another one makes up one part of the body, another one, another part of the body, another one, another part of the body, another part of the body. And then no, and then they didn't come like, oh, whose baby is? It's like, this is, so then everyone's the, raising it's the, the villages, It's yeah. the village's baby because that, there was a, a book of, it wasn't Christopher Columbus, it was one of the other explorers who had come, was over here in Native America, in America, and was asking about the children. And he was like, it's everybody's child. Yeah. And that, in that particular tribe, I can't remember now, but the woman, once pregnant, did have sex with all of the men because all of the men's sperm contribute to the growth of that child. It's like, well, how are you going to know whose baby it is? He's like, it's the village's baby. What do you mean whose baby it is? It, yeah. it, all of our children belong to all of us. Yeah, there's a lot of childcare available. There were a lot of indigenous tribes, even in in the current United States of America, that also it wasn't necessarily... Yeah. And and because from Comanche to Blackfoot to I mean, there are so many different tribes and everyone that if you've ever studied Native American history, you can see that each tribe had their own systems. Right. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't shame yep. involved. It wasn't it definitely wasn't the nuclear family, the nuclear family or the <laughs> I'm yeah. married to one man because people died a but lot. Faster. Accent. Yeah. <laughs> it, but, or I'm married yeah. to one man. This is my man. And this is my man and my my kids with my man. Like for Long Island. Yeah. <laughs> But the whole thing with the new, so after slavery, right, because Christianity had taken hold, they said to the black slaves, you're not going to do that heathen shit that you did on the plantation by having more than one wife. You have to have one because the Bible said, not only that, you are now the head of the household. That was not an African tradition to be the head of the man being the head of the household. It, It wasn't, that's not how it was designed back in the day. So. You know, the, the, they had the partnership, the wife and the husband did every, all these things together, but it wasn't done in the patriarchal way that the Christianity designed it. But they forced black men to who had never done it, not only in his own country, but for 400 years, had never been head of the household during slavery to now becoming head of the household. Time it for a quick a break to talk about one of our sponsors who just so happens to be our absolute favorite lube, UberLube. UberLube is a luxurious silicone lubricant and it enhances intimacy. It's there when you want it and it blends in when you're done with it. So you have control over that lube. It's long lasting and leaves the skin extra velvety. And honestly, all I want it all over my body. Thousands of doctors in the U.S. are recommending UberLube to their patients. It's body-friendly, less likely to change the pH, and it has vitamin E, so it feels extra moisturizing. There's a reason why we've been a fan of UberLube for years. There's no flavor or scent. It's even great for oral sex, everyone. But it's not just great for sex. You can use it for massage, your hair. You can prevent chafing. It even brings out the colors of your beautiful tattoos. And the bottle is absolutely gorgeous. It looks more like a cosmetic, so you can leave it anywhere shamelessly for easy access. Just go to uberlube.com and use the discount code SHAMELESS10 to get 10% off and free shipping. Again, that's U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E.com right now with code SHAMELESS10 for 10% off and free shipping. 
This podcast is also brought to you by OMGS.com. Join over 1 million people who are experiencing more pleasure with OMGS. They take scientific research of thousands of vulva owners showing techniques to pleasure that pussy. They turn this research into tasteful educational short videos, animated modules, and infographics. OMGS is for anyone who wants to learn about vulva pleasure or take it to the next level. Want to take your orgasms from good to out of this world? Then check out OMGS. Or if you're a vulva lover and want to up your pussy pleasuring skills, then you need to check out OMGS. I've personally been recommending OMGS to my clients for years, and it's completely changed their lives. They have three seasons, external pleasure, internal pleasure, and sex toys. It's not a subscription service, and you don't need to download a thing. OMGS also makes a fabulous gift, and your purchase supports more pleasure research. So just go to omgs.com shameless to get 10% off right now. Again, that's omgs.com shameless to receive 10% off unlimited access towards enhancing your pleasure power. The link is in the episode's description. So I have a feeling you're, you're, so I, cause I haven't read your book yet. I would yeah. love to read your book, but I know, we didn't have time to get one. I know I'm going to give you one, <laughs> but I haven't. So you're, so this is my guess, but this is also a question. Your book is bringing, cause we're, so we're in 2024. It's bringing, you know, many years, decades, even like history, historical, like hundreds of years and maybe beyond hundreds of years of history into the now and how to be a person of color and be ethically non-monogamous. Is that what kind of like what your what the book is geared towards? So the book is geared towards helping helping African Americans understand that the one ethical non-monogamy is not new. It is something that is in our ethnic and cultural history first, and secondly, that there is more than one way to be ethically non-monogamous, and it is a choice as it is monogamy. And thirdly, to understand the um, sexual stereotypes that have been put upon us. So whether you're monogamous or not, or, or non-monogamous, understanding these cultural stereotypes that have been put upon us so that you can kind of free yourself, if you will, and make a decision that is best for you and your partner, not because there's this big push for polyamory, not because there's this big social media push for polygamy. Most people I come in contact with, and I'm in so many groups on Facebook, they don't have a clue between the differences. So in my 16 years in this community and traveling all over the world, I'm like, okay, there is a clear difference between them. There's also some overlap between them. Let me explain the foundations. And then you decide, you sit down and have a conversation with your partner and go, oh, okay. You know what? Polygamy, meaning more than one spouse, meaning you could be polygynous, polygyny, one husband more than one spouse. So just because you have three women or two women, in order to be polygynous, you have to be legally married to one of them. Hmm. If you just have three girlfriends that you call your wife, that is polyamory. Okay. Right? Polyandry, more than one husband, you have to be legally married to at least one of the men. If you just have three boyfriends, preferred to wait, you're just polyamorous, right? <laughs> So, and then what is polyamory? And then what is an open relationship? And how does that differ from swinging, right? So open relationships, a lot of times people have a don't ask, don't tell, where a partner gets together, two partners get together and go, you know, I am interested in this, 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 that, and the other. And I'm, this is something that you are not interested in. 
but it, and it could be sex, it could be dating, it could be intimacy. And it's something that you don't want to do. And everything that you currently offer to me is great, but I don't want to pressure you to have to give me these other things. Mm-hmm. Or I don't want to have to ask for less than what I desire mm-hmm. because you are not able, which is different than not willing, right? So I would like to do X, Y, and Z, have sex with others, date others, however that works out. And it could be both partners that feel that way in this relationship, or it could be just one. And then they could then make their boundaries. It could be, listen, the key word will be, I have a date tonight and I'll be home by midnight. So she knows or he knows they're going out and they may, they're going to do whatever it is they've agreed that it's okay to do. Have sex, only have oral or have anal, whatever it is. Go salsa dancing, you know? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> even something as salsa dancing with someone of the opposite sex to trigger somebody in monogamous relationship. Taylor, thank you for this. This really, I think that was like an umbrella way to express what this ENM world entails, right? And I think uh, one of the questions that we had for you, and we're running out of time, which I hate that we run out of time because we could talk to you so long. And this was such a really inspirational conversation and also brought me almost, I could have started sobbing uh, with tears. I put Just my hand there. I'm like, hold and it I was together, like, Chip. Hold it together. Taylor <laughs> <laughs> um, said she wasn't going to cry. I know. You're not like, going to cry. I won't cry. <laughs> so that in a whole brings me, because your book obviously can give folks, I think, some guidance to the top tips for if they want to explore ENM, right? Yeah. And the do's and the don'ts. And it kind of sounds like you laid out some of those imperative do's, which are the boundary piece, the getting clear on the what you are what are you into yeah, yeah. and what well, are you yeah. like that's so you a hard your, no right and right can so you, the difference between uh, honest communication and authentic communication is uh, about setting boundaries not borders right because as Esther Perel says, humans love to cross borders, but oh, borders it's are fun. yeah, borders are hard, like the the cement walls that boat will kind of go through in a canal. Whereas you want boundaries which are more fluid, like the shoreline, meaning that you want your partner to make the right decision at the time that they need to, that they believe is best for them. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about sort of boundaries, communication as well as even abuse in ethical non-monogamy, like people who cheat. And you were like, why would somebody cheat? Because they're they're cheaters, right? Which that's unethical, humans out there. That's unethical. Which is unethical. But, you know, I also give resources for people who need coaching or or therapy, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, difference between coaching and therapy. And, you know, therapy is, you know, figuring out how to uncover and recover from what may have happened. Whereas yeah. coaching, which is what I do, I do coach people who are transitioning into or through ethical non-monogamy. Coaching is helping people to discover what it is that they really, really want in their yeah. relationship. I just want people to do what's best for them. Yeah, you know, At, yeah. as as it should should be, which goes hand in hand with the the premise of shameless sex. And and I just want to say one thing, and I won't go too deep into it. But have you all seen Dan Savage's post about Tolly Emery? Has anyone seen this yet? Mm-hmm. So he's created Dan Savage loves to create new terms, right? He's like What's monogamy. Like like a Sparksy. Like I'm a Sparksy for Taylor. Yeah, like I'm a Sparksy. <laughs> so but he created Tollyamory as a new term. And it's not it's not don't ask, don't tell. And it's not polyamory. It's I'm tolerating knowing that you're fucking someone else and I'm going to just allow it, even though I might not like it. And I just I'm saying this to people because we're talking about cheating. I love him. Cheating and tollyamory 
and don't ask, don't tell are very common. In fact, more common than full-on monogamy, as far as I know, in terms of the stats. And then you add non-monogamy to it. So people are like, it's not natural. Cheating is a great example of how it is. So there you go. And right. also but that how- sounds like it's just, that just sounds like polyamory sounds like you were just creating the perfect environment for insecurity. You were yeah. just going to make somebody more, because I don't want anyone that's tolerating shit for me or me. No. No. We're either doing this or we're fucking not doing this. Don't don't tolerate my yeah. shit and I'm not tolerating your shit. We have either decided we're doing this shit or we're not fucking doing this shit. But tolerate, tolerating some skills. people are really, they're just you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to know. And I want to like, is, I, I, but I want to stay because they're surviving. Sometimes yeah. they're but surviving their relationship. You had presidents. In the so Bill Clinton. Okay, let's just talk about Bill Clinton. Hillary. There was some polyamory going think, on I there. Think that Hillary, Hillary knew. Hillary knew. Yeah. Hillary, Hillary but knew. But polyamory is you know. No, you, it's, yeah. a, it's you know, and you're still sticking with it. And, but you're, That's an but open you're, relationship. Yes, that's but not, you're tolerating. You're actually, it's not ethical in that, like the way we are. You've like, agreed hey. to it yeah. because you're, if you're tolerating it, you've agreed. If you've agreed, it's an open relationship. So it's like a passive agreement is what he's talking about. And, and as opposed to what right. you're talking about, which sounds way fucking better, is like, let's actually talk about embrace and not tolerate meaning the like hard conversations. Because if yeah. you don't have the hard conversations, you, you leave no room for growth. Yeah. Exactly. And then we just stay in this marriage till we're 80 and we die. And then we're just tolerating. Which is monogamy. (laughs) Why do people, but why do people choose these things, right? Why do they choose to tolerate it? And that's the thing and not have the conversations. There's fear, fear fear of loss, fear of rejection. And absolutely, it's survival. Limited resources. Exactly. And sometimes they may not have any other options, which I want to honor those folks out there that may be like, I'm in one of these relationships where I'm fearful I don't know if I can get out. I don't know yeah. what will happen. I don't think I can. So I'm honoring them, but not dishonoring other it, variations of being in relationships, like honoring sure, all leave, of them. Having the, having the conversation doesn't mean you have to leave. And this is, this is the thing about monogamy. As soon as one or two things don't line up and we're not aligned, we throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. What I'm suggesting to people is like, have the hard conversation. Come to some fucking agreement. Even if that agreement is, I'm tolerating it, but I fucking know. And these are the boundaries that I'm that I'm asking. You don't have to leave. You can say, listen, I'm sex life and shit. I won't fuck you no more. I'm gonna fuck somebody else. Are we clear? I'll, okay, what is okay? Fine, I'll always wear condoms. And if I decide not to wear condoms, I'll let you know. So that you can then decide, because I had a partner like that. I was in an open triad. He was married, and I became the girlfriend, and I knew her, and we weren't her and I were not a thing. We were parallel. And we were like, listen, fuck who you want. We don't give a shit. Wear a fucking condom because we were all tested, so he didn't have to wear a condom with us. But he met a new girl in our reset in new relationship energy. It was hot. He was fucking her about a month then. He was like, I don't want to use condoms with her anymore. He was like, I don't. I'm. I came to you. I'm telling you, her and I are going to get tested, and I'm not using condoms with her anymore. So, what are the options? Leave. Don't have sex with me anymore, or make him wear a condom and have sex with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have options. We you have, have options. to always throw everything out. You can keep the things that are good in your relationship that yeah. you are aligned with and only stop participating in the things that you were not aligned in. But you don't have to throw away a whole relationship. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get married, then you go. You make sure you hit them with the prenup. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I'm saying <laughs> anyone out there contemplating, uh, just do it, okay? Don't feel bad about it. Protect yourself. Or we have to we have to end the show because I can see <laughs> April's doing the pee dance over here. I can see she's doing the wiggle wiggle over here. She's like, oh my god. Wiggle, oh, wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. I'm also just excited to I'm, I'm excited. a Foxy. Okay. Yeah, I'm like, no, she's oh, gonna go pee and we're gonna hang out with Taylor on off air for a couple of minutes. And y'all, you guess what we're talking about? We didn't talk about the dry spell in Cancun, but we'll talk about that off air because we might be sitting oh, together. Yeah. On the uh, east coast of Mexico. Uh, Taylor, we want to know more about uh, where people can go find Organic Lovin', how they can work with you, how they can find your book, how they can find you, how they can buy your book, all the things. Please tell us. Yeah. So you can find me on um, my website, Organic Lovin', that's L-O-V-E-N.com. And all social media under the same, the book is available, and African American Guide to Ephesus Monogamy, which anyone can read because the cultural chapters are only just a few chapters and everything else is aligned with any, anyone of any color or culture. That book is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble and everywhere books are sold as well as Kindle. And if all works out well, the audio book will be available by the end of this year or by the fall. And to work with me also on myorganicloving.com, um, I am accepting new clients for coaching. So if you're interested in trying to, you just want to talk to somebody about how do we do this thing? How do I even talk to my partner? So you don't have to be partner. You can be an individual. I am coaching people on ethical non-monogamy coaching, going through it, getting through it, getting stuck in it. <laughs> mm, love it. Oh, I adore you. Mm -hmm. This was such a great conversation. Really, Taylor, thank you mm -hmm. so much. Thank and I, yeah, there are so many things I want to say, and I can't wait to see you again, hopefully in Cancun, because we will be there so close. Well, Tulum. Um, Tulum, but Cancun. we have to fly into Cancun. <laughs> and then yeah. um, we very well may have a, go a guest uh, at sex educator here named Taylor. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> um, and to all of our listeners out there, yes, go ahead. Look at shamelesssex.com because we are doing a retreat in Tulum in April 2024. And we've got a lot of amazing stuff lined up. It is for female identified folks right now. So Volvo owners out there, check it out. And it's a lot of bang for your buck. And to anyone out there that can't make the retreat because there's only limited spots, but that appreciate Shameless Sex and folks like Taylor Sparks, who really are doing the work and helping people feel normalized for what they want to do in relationships, helping them feel more whole, helping their intimate relationships, their partnerships. And without us, you could not find Taylor. And without Taylor, uh, we would not be shameless sex. So go ahead and rate us on iTunes, Spotify. You don't have to write a long review. You can just give us a couple of stars. The other day I saw a one-star review that just said gross and not real feedback. And I was like, I think they're probably 12. <laughs> uh, maybe. And it just it's things like that. Like, yeah, it's just it's not it's, helpful. It's not helpful. And also I get it. If we're not your cup of tea, that's okay. But maybe just you, take a deep breath, but take a deep breath. On. And that's okay. <laughs> There's um, a lot of other podcasts out there. And uh, Taylor does have a podcast too. And it's called uh, Sisters of Sexuality that you can check out. It's been around for quite a long time. So uh, check out Taylor's work. And yeah, if you haven't bought the Shameless Sex book yet, I'm not mad at you. I will spank you with it, though, next time I see you. So go ahead and buy Shameless <laughs> Sex, the book, anywhere books are sold. Also, the Audible version. And we will see you next Tuesday, y'all. If you're not on YouTube, I'm giving you not a fuck you, but a high five. Ciao for now. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.